Connecting life and faith. This is Connections. I sent my daughter to a rehab and I was really heavy hearted, went to this event and she started praying over me and she said, you're going to write a book. And I said, no. I said, that's not me. I, you know, I'm an open book. I talk easily to people, but I don't think I ever would see myself writing a book. And at that point, um, I started writing a book and I'd wake up every day and God would show me something to put into the book. It might have been just a one little quick thing, but I knew it was from God. So I did that. And now that book is impacting lives around the world. It's called Shh, Mental Illness, The Silent Disease. It's a new intimate memoir designed to bring hope and community to caregivers of those who are battling mental illness. We're joined today by Katie Griffiths. And today she'll share her wisdom and hope with parents, children, spouses, and siblings who may feel alone while helping their loved one battle this disease. Mental illness is something that affects many of us, but it's not something that we always want to speak up about. Today's guest has a daughter who is currently going through a mental health struggle, and she is writing about it in hopes of helping other parents and caregivers out there feel as though they are not alone. Her name is Katie Griffiths. The title of your book, Shh, Mental Illness, The Silent Disease, that in itself, all alone, if you were just to mention that, is impactful. Now, when it comes to mental illness, there's a whole lot of shushing and let's not talk about it, but you're doing the opposite. Tell us a little bit about why you decided to put this book together and share your family's story with the world. Well, thanks for asking. Uh, sure was a, an interesting way to get into this book because I am not a, a student of, of English at all. And it just kind of happened that this lady was praying over me. I sent my daughter to a rehab and I was really heavy hearted, went to this event and she started praying over me and she said, you're going to write a book. And I said, no, I said, that's not me. I, you know, I'm an open book. I talk easily to people, but I don't think I ever would see myself writing a book. And at that point, um, I started writing a book and I'd wake up every day and God would show me something to put into the book. It might've been just a one little quick thing, but I knew it was from God. So I did that. And the title actually is a, um, a top, a topic that people don't want to talk to about and husband and wives, especially there's always someone saying, or that look you'll get like, don't talk about that. Uh, so you, you get little cues from each other, like, don't say this, don't say that you have to be careful where we walk, you know, all of that. So I actually got permission for some of the stories from my daughter and she's okay with me sharing. So, um, but it's not all about her. It's not completely the story. It has, it's not her story, but it has a lot of little, um, thoughts, wisdoms, scriptures, different things, and 24 illustrations that my friend did, Chris Delaney, and they're just beautiful. And he took my little pencil drawings and made them into art. And I'm very thankful for that. Um, So that's kind of where it started. Now, when it comes to mental illness, like you mentioned there, it's not just her story in the book. Mental illness affects not only the person who's dealing with it, but the entire family. Now, you're writing this book in a mother's perspective, and typically when it comes to stories of mental illness, we'll hear from the person themselves. What was it like for you to share that? Because it's difficult to watch someone you love go through something so difficult. It is so hard. Um, I can give you an example of a hard day, and that would be when my daughter, she has depression, anxiety, and many other things that doctors have now labeled her with. But getting her through high school is super hard, and she would have... um, these bouts of just laying in bed and she couldn't get up. She couldn't move. And she would, mom, touch me. And I would touch her. And the lightest touch would be so sensitive. It would be painful. 
And, and that's one of the things that people don't realize about mental illness, how it can debilitate you and take you to that place where you can't move at all. And I would sit with her in the room. So it kind of captivated me having a child with like her that would, I would have to give all my attention and all my time to, um, but anyway, so I would call the counselor and he would get on the phone with her and try to encourage her. He'd pray with her, the whole thing. And eventually, you know, like hours later, I would say, hey, let's listen to a podcast. Let's listen to music. What would you want to hear? Finally, she'd start to come out of it. But it's hard. It's a very hard day. And, you know, I would spend a whole day there in that room, making sure she was OK, making sure that something wasn't going to happen to her and sink into depression or suicidal thoughts. Um it's really captivating for the parent and the child. So we do end up experiencing a lot of the same things that she's going through just because that's our, that's how we're wired. You know, we'll be there with them. You want to support them and you want to lift them up. Can you share a little bit more about your daughter's story? Well, let's say it started, it actually started when she was very young. There were some neighborhood boys. And I'm not going to go into that detail because that's something she's really never given me permission to know, all the whatever affected her. But um, the counselors have gotten bits and pieces. And, you know, they were playing hide and seek and things like that. Um, and then things happened from there. So I'll just leave it with that. So that was the start. And then, you know, I also know that when you have something happen to you, it turns into a... Um, a spiritual thing where you're kind of stopped at that age level. So in her lifespan of where she's at now, she still can go back to that child of where she was first hurt. And sometimes it's hard to move past that. You know, um, she has matured, but it also opened up a spiritual insight. So I'm not, I'm sure how to express this. Um, it would open up a spiritual insight. So other attacks from other victims or victims, not victims, but they were the predators, let's say, that would be, you know, somehow coming at her. So anyway, her whole sexual identity was opened up at that point of that very young child. And that journey has been long. It's been very long. We're in the end of this journey. She's been trafficked. Um, So we've gone through that pain and helping her um, move through some of this. And I'm always there for her. I've always been there to listen and take, you know, I I do think that's one of the most important things is listening also, because I didn't unvalidate her. I didn't just cast her aside. I wanted to listen to everything she said, because I knew there was always truth in there somewhere. And I had to decipher it and make sure that I could understand what she was really trying to tell me. So we've been through a lot. Most definitely. Now, through this journey, you've decided to speak up. You're sharing your story now. But was it always like that for you? Or were you ever on that other side where you're like, I don't want to talk about this right now. No, I'm always an open book. And um, I think maybe in some of my husband's colleagues and things, you know, he didn't want to bring this up. But there was always her space, like she would step into somebody's space and not realize, like a normal person would back out, you know, where, where she didn't understand her boundaries. And she would step into that space real close to somebody or hug them too long or something like that. And that became a little uncomfortable. And then you know, then the glances and the looks and the, you know, like, let's, let's change this, you know, that kind of thing would start. So, yeah. Why is it so hard for us to talk about or be open about mental illness? I think for some people, it's shame that they put on 
this front. And I do have a picture in my book and it's a family photo that this photographer is taking a picture of the family. And so I have a picture frame with the smiles and all the, the little, the characters are all happy at the top, but underneath the picture frame, you know, we added a broken leg. There's, there's the boy has a cigarette in his hand. There's, I mean, there, the cap is off the bed. He's standing on his backpack. The mom's barefoot. It just shows a realistic, of course, it's just a cartoon, but it's a realistic look at what life is. It's like we put on these fronts and these everything's fine and perfect in our lives, but it's really not. Um, for me, I've always been an open book and I do talk freely with people. And it has opened up a lot of conversations because people can always relate to a story about mental illness. If it's their child, if it's an aunt, an uncle, my grandma, my grandpa. I mean, there's always a story and I'm a listener. So I, I love those stories because it helps us both to heal and relate. It's so amazing to see the conversations and the stories that come out of speaking up about something like this. Is that part of your goal with this book, to make people feel as though they're not alone? That is. It definitely is. Um, I I think that so many times, and another example would be this lady had a... Um, a proof copy of my book. And I didn't know that my daughter had given it to her. So she comes up to me in church and she's like, Oh, it's you, you know, like, like, okay. And she goes, I've read your book. And she goes, I had, I had to put it down so many times and just cry because you can relate to my stories. And I haven't told anybody my stories. And it just made me realize how important this book really is because there's a lot of topics in here. There's a, it, it just opens up a com- conversation. Now she can have, be free to con- to talk about her topic, you know. Definitely. You mentioned the church, you mentioned conversation. Now when it comes to mental illness in the church, we're still struggling a little bit about talking about mental illness. How can we do a better job when it comes to that? Sounds like you have definitely got a great faith community surrounding you. I agree. Um, I would hope that they would open up more and more topics. I think even getting into pastors to have a conversation, that's difficult because people don't want to put that on the front line. There's a lot of things that don't get put on the front line. Um, but I I have a good pastor and he will bring it up and, and talk it openly. So I'm, I'm thankful for that. How has your faith been impacted throughout this journey? Okay. I am... I'm a very solid person as far as my faith goes. And in the beginning, it was a lot of on the knees, a lot of praying, um, tears, you know, because there were so many things we had to address. I mean, the sexting, the, um, there's just so many things as a middle schooler moving forward, you know, and I would happen to walk in and this would be going on or that. And so there was a lot of things to address. And so, yes, your heart goes, okay. But, you know, my, my thought was in, in helping my daughter was always making her understand that she's the one who stands before the Lord at the end of the day, not me. I'm only there to guide her. And so I don't want to take on her stuff. I want to help her. I want to help her understand these are all her decisions. These are not my decisions. I'm not making these decisions to do this or that. Um, and I know she's dealing with the pain. And this is her way of coping with the pain is to act out. So it, it kind of goes back and forth with a lot of information of of coping with the, the codependency part. You know, it's like, where do you where do you fit into this and how do I fit into your picture of codependency? So in your family, when it comes to mental illness and the caregiver side of things, we don't often talk about that side. We talk about the person that's dealing with it, but we don't always talk about the family and how they're affected. 
What would you say to maybe a family out there that may be listening and maybe going through this journey right now? What would you say to that caregiver? How can you make that journey or that path for them just a little bit lighter? I do think praying, you know, seeking the Lord. I did a lot of crazy things. I I mean, I even got a flag and I took it in her room and I would, when she was at school, I would take it and it was, the flag had the word breakthrough on it. And I would just kind of push it over her bed a little bit and pray. I would do a lot of praying when she wasn't home. And I, I do think that that's an answer to help. I think that you have to reach out. You you need a friend. You need a family member. You need somebody that's going to listen to you. And if you don't have that, the Lord is always available. He's there 100% of the time. He's your best friend. Make him your best friend, and he will help you through this journey because it is a hard journey. And one thing that you do say is that there's always beauty amid the broken and that there are brighter days ahead. True. That is so true. That is... um, you know, there, there are joys in the midst of the pain. So we have those little glimpses of what we would hope for our daughter or, you know, ongoing in the future. And my hope would be that she would have a fulfilled life and she would change her ways. Right now she hasn't, and we're still walking through this journey. So we don't know when that, when that takes place in her, for her to want to change. It's nothing I can do to change her. We've tried, believe me. We've done a lot of um, counseling, a lot of um, therapies, a lot of uh, programs. We've done a lot. And there's nothing I can do to change her. She has to want to change to move forward. As far as the family goes, um, they will always love her. They do not um, always come around if she's here, that kind of thing, because they don't want their children involved. But they, they all love her and they will talk to her freely if she would call them. So how do you as a parent, I'm just listening to this. And like you said, you're still in the journey. You love your child. I know I've got my own kids. I love them no matter what, you know, and what situation they're in. But how do you cling on and how do you just keep going and how do you keep trekking and trudging through all of this? Well, my faith is in the Lord for sure. And I do trust him. I know that he hears my prayers. I know that he knows me. I know that he knows my heart. And I know that he knows my child. And my child has actually received the Lord in her heart when she was 11. She was in a, um, a car, we were sitting in a car, and she looked over at me and she goes, Mommy, I have sinned. And I said, you have? What happened? And she goes, well, this happened and that happened. She went through this story and tears were coming down her face. And she knew what sin was. And I asked her, I said, how did you know what sin was? And she goes, my Sunday school teacher explained it. I'm like, so, you know, where we put our children are important. It's people and relationships that change hearts. And, um, you know, for her, it would, I knew she's a Christian. So it's really hard for her to walk through this journey because she had a dream one time where there was one door that opened up that had white light coming all around it. And then there was a, a door to the left of that was black seeping. And she would go to reach for the the handle of the, the bright door. And, and then the other one would pull back and, um, and then she would reach for the other side and and it would it, it would pull her back. So she had this tug of war between the doors going on. And it was um, in, in her own mind. That's what she dreamt. And that's what she knew. She had to make a choice. And I think the, the dark side has won a good bit here. And I'm just still holding on to the hope that that bright door the one that will give her answers to why she feels this way and why she's doing the things she's doing 
will will reach that door and she can open that door someday. And that's my hope that she will walk through that door and become a different person. She'll be able to express her emotions and her feelings to other people of why and where she's been, where she's been. But a lot of it's trauma and we can't take the trauma out of the child. It's a, it's a healing process. So, you know, it's a, it's a day to day. Now, speaking of healing the book, mental illness, the silent disease, who are you hoping will pick up this book? Well, of course, I would love everybody to have a copy. In my mind, it was like a um, an airport book where you'd pick up and just because it's small little pieces of reading, it's like a, a quick little read here and there and you don't have to read it straight through. It's just it's just information and hope that it gives you walking through this journey. And I am doing a mental illness conference on March 3 and 4, and that's also on my website, Um but that's also, I'm hoping that people would come that really need to hear what my speakers have to give them because I've been through this journey and I know that I've got great speakers and a lot of good information there too. Now, I know you've mentioned this a few times, but I want to wrap up with two questions. First one is for the listener out there that is listening to this going, I'm in the midst of this and I just don't know what to do. What would you say to them? And that's sad. I talked to another mother this week. Her daughter is in bed. She can't get out of bed. I've lived that life. I understand that pain. Um, And I would just say, do not give up hope. Be a listener to your child and know that someday God's going to have them be in a place where they have a good work relationship with somebody else in, in a working environment. They can move through this. And our hope is that every day that they would continue to move forward. It's always two steps forward and one back. So you cannot judge them for their falling back because that is going to happen. But what you have to do is give them grace to move forward. And for those interested in picking up your book and learning more about your story, how can they go about doing that? It is on my website, which is ktgriffiths.com. And that is with an S. So it's Griffiths with an S at the end. Thank you so much for being vulnerable, for sharing your story. We hope that it will reach our audience and help those that may be struggling through the same situation. Yes, thank you very much for having me. And thank you so much for joining us and for listening today. Don't forget to subscribe. We'll talk to you again on Connections.